Hello and you're very hello and you're very welcome back to you're very welcome to uh, the Friday show on the Friday sport on Ross FM 94.6 with myself, Aidan Raftery. And now it's in the line out myself, Aidan Raftery and Michael Cook, and we'll be we're looking back at all the rugby news from last week and we'll be looking ahead to uh, any the rugby that's going on this week. But uh, I suppose really to Michael to kick it off. Not a great day at the office for the Lions as they lost out twenty-seven to nine against South Africa in the in the South, tour of South Africa. Not uh, not a result that uh, the Lions would have wanted. No, certainly not. Uh, they were definitely destroyed. You would have to say they were uh, at a sl- at a slight lead at half time, but then in the second half, of course, the South Africans taken over completely and they they won the game in in a lot of different key areas. In the line, in the breakdown, uh, in the line-out mall, they just they dominated the scoring sticks, the the collisions, everything, the aerial battles. Really and truly, it was a dominant second half display from the South Africans, and I think the scoreline is a true reflection of the game. That's it. Um, but where can um, you know? There's a, there, that means that there's obviously a lot of work to be done ahead of the the last test against South Africa, the final tests. Um, so where do they need to impress or you know can they turn it around like as in tactics wise and personnel wise to, to get the win in the last game yeah well it looked, it's going to be difficult for them now because after the manner of the victory for the Springboks the last week you know the momentum you would have to say is with South Africa you then definitely like you know the like even the the South Africans the first day even though the Lions took the first test you know the the, the they had to produce a remarkable comeback that day so South Africa were on the front foot for long spells there so it's one it's one game apiece now and this weekend is best out of three but you would have to say at the moment that given given how they played uh, last week that the momentum is with the Springboks. That's it, and you can't see. Uh... South Africa making any changes to a winning side, so yeah. But uh, it's all to do really for the for the Lions really in the last game, and uh, I suppose moving on then, Cheslin Kobe got a yellow card for taking out for taking out Connor Murray in the air, but should it have been a should it have been seen as a red card? Yeah, this is a big talking point, all right, and. Yes, you, it, it does appear that way. As I said, there's well one man who's more qualified than me to talk about the laws of the game, and that is the, the very experienced referee, Nigel Owens. And uh, he was on commentary. And, of course, one of the things he pointed out is that while Cheslin Corbe, if you watch his movement leading up to the, co- the collision, that he has his eyes on the ball. So there's clearly no... The, 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 there might be much intent... But it was a reckless, um, a reckless movement on his part. So uh, you have you have to you have to ignore intent for for a challenge of this nature. And of course, you look at Conor Murray. You know he could have had a very bad fall, but he breaks his fall by putting out by putting out his arm. So uh, Nigel was was of the opinion that by Murray breaking his fall by putting out his hand, that uh, he might he, he saved Sheslin Colby from being a red card. And it was a reckless challenge that warranted a red card, but because of the the less the, the the fall was less serious than it could have been, he he just saw yellow, which of course resulted him being in the sin bin for ten minutes. But uh, better men than me have said that it, that it should have been a red, so I'll, I'll take their word for it. 
That's it. But do you, do you think if that red, if a red was given, would it have made would it have made much difference to the scoreboard at the end of the game? Um, look, the the South Africans, you know, are still a, a dominant force. Like you know, when you win by what was it, eighteen points, you know, um, and you're dominant in as many facets of the game. I think it makes less of a difference. So, I it might have made cut, you know, cut the margin of the defeat slightly. But in truth, I think South Africa would still have won the game. That's it. And moving on now, looking looking uh, looking ahead to the game uh, this weekend in the fi- the final test. As I said there earlier on, there it's uh, plenty to do ahead of this, uh, ahead of the last test, and uh, you know it's it's you know it's it, it, is per- our personnel require personnel changes needed, or is it a more of a tactical thing that they need to in order to turn this one around? A bit of both, of course. They've already had a stab at the personnel changes, and that's uh, six changes have been made from the side that lost by 18 points last weekend. And so some of the players that have been picked, I think, should have been in there from the start. Like Liam Williams, you know, considering how outstanding he was, he was, for me, in the Six Nations, by far the best full back out there. But he gatlined his weight until the third test to play him, which beggars belief. And Josh Adams, I know he was unavailable for the first test over his wife having a baby. But after that, you know, I, I would have I would have expected to see him play the last day, considering his uh, try scoring potential that he has out in the wing, and you know he showed that in the recent Six Nations campaigns. He showed it in the World Cup as well, and of course uh, they had to make changes as well in the in the front row. Which uh, Win Jones is coming in for Macabinopola, which I think is definitely required that considering how he played the last day. And Ken Owens is coming into the front row as well. And, of course, the big news from a, a Connacht point of view is that Bundiaki gets a start. Uh, and I suppose one of the things that he was looking for there was uh, to use Bundiaki as a kind of a battering ram to bring the ball into contact and make gains that way. South Africa do it very well, using a centre as one of the first or second receivers. And they made a lot of headway off of uh, using a powerful battering ram. And uh, Warren Gatland is trying to do the same with Bundyaki, But I don't know if it will have the, the desired impact. Like I, for one, being honest about it, was surprised when Bundyaki got picked, given that he doesn't even start for Ireland. And uh, Gary Ringrose starts ahead of him for Ireland. But Gary Ringrose was left out of the squad completely. But somehow... Bundyaki is good enough to make the lines when he doesn't start ahead of him at international level. That's that always um, um, is, uh, surprised me a bit, but uh, that's why I'd have reservations as to whether or not this change is going to work out. Hopefully it will, but I have my doubts, especially up against a formidable outfit like South Africa. And then, of course, the other keynote change is sees Conor Murray dropped after the last day with Ali Price taking his place. So I can't say I'm surprised with that one either. That's it, and of course another another guy. Um, you know, I've been talking to people about it as well, and I, I don't know how he was left out of the the, the traveling party to, to go on the tour was James Ryan. When you when you're thinking of how 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 good a player he is and what maybe what he could have brought to to the squad, he you know considering his performances, it's a wonder he was left out of the squad altogether. 
Well, I tell you why he was left out, because the Lions squad was announced only a few days after La Rochelle beat Leinster in the Champions Cup uh, knockout stages. Now, Warren Gatlinuk was looking at South Africa, who are the most physical, most attritional side in world rugby. And James Ryan, while he is an absolutely fantastic player against La Rochelle, he was completely outclassed and dominated physically by the La Rochelle pack. And Warren Gatland is looking at that and he's thinking, well, if that's, if that's what La Rochelle can do to James Ryan and some of the Leinster players, then imagine, imagine what uh, South Africa are going to do when they, are the mo- when they are the most physically imposing side in world rugby. So while he is a fantastic player, I think Warren Gatland had justified reasons to an extent for doing what he did. Yeah, that that's it. That's it. And uh, scrum half, uh, Faf de Klerk is out of the South African team. How will this? How will this affect them? I mean, you you know, will that change their tactics, or is there something that will be taken away by not having him in the starting lineup? Something will be taken away for definite. All right, you know, Faf de Klerk uh, showed at the World Cup that he was at the time the best scrum half. He's since been uh, been upstaged by Anton Dupont, but he's still among the among the top four or five scrum halves in world rugby. And you know everything he brings a lot to the team, both from his his passing, his kicking, his carrying. You know he brings an awful lot to the team. So I reckon that they, you know, while they have a very good squad and can are actually quite well prepared to cope with his loss. I think they would prefer him. Than not to have him, if if you get me, I think that they'd, they'd much sooner if they had him available for selection. So I suppose it's uh, going to affect him to an extent. Like uh, he, he, Faf de Klerk's kicking um, is one of the main strategies that they have going forward. So a lot of it, now, the onus now will be on Andre Pollard to do most of, if not all, of the kicking from out half. But he did plenty of it the last day, so I think we're going to see as much, if not more, of it from Andre Pollard again. And I suppose they're looking at replacements. Uh, before it was Yantes was the second choice scrum half, but he has now been overtaken in the pecking order by Kobus Reinach, who has long lined out alongside Andre Pollard for, for uh, Montpellier in the, the top 14 in France. So I think the familiarity between the two of them means that uh, Kobus Reinach might get the starting selection. So not as good as Faf de Klerk, I know, but still... South Africa are are a phenomenal squad, so they might they might be slight, the quality might be slightly diminished by not having Faf de Klerk there, but they still have to be favourites. That's it, and I suppose looking back at the you know aside from Faf de Klerk uh, being out being out of the team, is there any has there been many other personnel changes from the uh, from the last game? Well, um, they they are um missing uh, Peter Steph Dutoit uh, who is injured in the, the game against the Lions he picked up a knock in that game and as a result he's not available uh, as a result so that uh, as a result they're, they're bringing uh, they're, they've moved uh, Lou De Jager into the side and uh, Franco Mostert is after switching to the back row so yeah so he's gone over to blindside flagger Lou De Jager will come into second row I think that's that's what's happening there. So, yeah, again, Peter Steph Dutoit is another player that has incredible quality. Like, he was player of the tournament at the last World Cup. 
But having said that, you know, South Africa still have a, good, a very strong squad and they're missing du- Duan Vermeulen as well. So despite the fact that they're missing these names, you know, they see, you still look at their at the at the quality of the squad on paper. You know, you've got the likes of Bonambi and Eben Etzbet and, you know, their, their, their pack is still very powerful and very strong. And of course, we all know about the quality of their backs as well. So even though they are missing uh, three big players, they still have a credi- an incredible embarrassment of reaches across their squad. Hence why they're world champions, I guess. That's it. And I suppose, you know, they, they, they'll fare out all right regardless. Like, I mean, you, you can make any six changes to that South African team and they'd still, uh, they'd still be a top quality side. It's kind of, I suppose, if you were to use a comparison, it'd be like, you know, the Dublin team of the last couple of years. Like, no matter what uh, 15 you start, you know they're 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 going to be very good anyway. They're they're going to be hard to beat. Um, you know, but uh, I suppose with with Ty Ty Byrne and uh, Owen Farrell are, aren't even among the subs. That's another uh, that's another interesting thing. And maybe for, from the from a Lions point of view, you know, from you know when you think of that, you know that they're uh, essential omissions, really, aren't they? Yeah, I think uh, Ty Byrne has uh, been very harshly treated by Warren Gatland. You know. Considering uh, how well he's been playing, I reckon he's deserved more game time than he has. Like he's come on late as a sub in at least one of the tests, and very little time for him to really affect uh, any kind of changes. And considering you know the standards he has been producing very consistently for both Munster and Ireland, I definitely think that he has more ga- he deserves more game time. And I know I know what the the kind of players competing with him for positions in the second row and the back row. I was never expecting him to be a starter, but having said that, I reckon he deserved more game time coming off the bench. So I think he can feel very hard done by. And Owen Farrell, while he isn't a player of old, you know, you would imagine that he would at least be good enough to be included among the substitutes. Uh, For me, he might still be a better option than Finn Russell, who's included. Like Finn Russell, his He's uh, brought in from for his instinctiveness and his ability to play with flair. But Finn Russell throughout the year has been very inconsistent through both, both for uh, Scotland and for Racing 92. Now, of course, he had his troubles with injury as well. And, of course, he was uh, found it hard at times to get regular game time. But still, given his lack of consistency, I just think... That that, uh, that that call, I'm not so sure how it's going to work out. Owen Farrell mightn't be the player of all, but I would nearly still have him uh, within among the substitutes. That's it. For, for his experience alone, he'd be very valuable. But uh, listen, thanks very much, uh, Michael, for doing in the line out with us this week. And we look forward to uh, looking back on that line, that final Lions match uh, next week. Yes, well, hopefully uh, we'll have something to look forward to anyway. I don't know how it's going to go, but hopefully we'll have something to shout about because it's it's going to be a very tall order. No problem, okay. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. No problem, thanks very much. And that was Michael Cook, our rugby analyst.